and welcome to this week's Oxcast, your weekly roundup of all the best events happening in and around Oxford. Today's date is Wednesday the 27th of July and this week Michael will be offering us a music roundup. I've got foodie delights, but first here's Jen with family friendly events and what's on at the weekend. Hello! So this weekend uh, we've got various things going on. It's got a little bit quiet in Oxford. It's mm. sort of it's, it's got to that stage where the students have gone, and and for some reason it, it hasn't been filled yet with <laughs> tourists and visitors from elsewhere. Uh, but anyway, um, we have on Saturday several exciting things going on, including the Oxford Record and CD Fair. This is a. Uh, taking place in Newin Hall Street. Normally it's in the Methodist Hall, this time it's in the church because the hall is being built or rebuilt. Oh. <laughs> um, and it's on Saturday, 10 till 4, £2 for entry. Um, there's a Facebook page. Uh, I have to say it's not terribly descriptive of exactly what they're going to be selling, uh, but we know it's going to be good for vinyl addicts and uh, CD collectors. And um, I think it's run by some real devotees. Oh. Um, so they normally have some interesting things there. And if you want some live music on Saturday, uh, the Rusty Bike is having a summer street party. Mm. Um, that's running from midday until midnight, or at least until 11.59, according <laughs> <laughs> Facebook page. Um, uh, so that's this Saturday. Lots of live music, Little Mammoths, Marikotaya, um, lots of other bands, and a pop-up cider and ale bar, um, various other things going on. I imagine some good food, given that it's the Rusty Bike mm. and they're, they're good for that kind of thing. Um, and that also means if you're driving around East Oxford, the Magdalen Road end of Hurst Street is going to be closed all day to traffic. This is neither family friendly nor on at the weekend, but nevertheless, <laughs> I'm going to tell you about it. It's the secret gin party. Uh, this is a masquerade uh, sort of gin party, garden party ball thing um, happening at the Checkers, 131 High Street in Oxford. Um, and that's on tomorrow night, Thursday night, uh, starting at six. Uh, put on your mask, come down and taste some gin, um, delicious tonics, canapes, and don't tell anyone because it's a secret. Whoops. Um, <laughs> and you may have noticed in Oxford at the moment, or indeed almost anywhere in the world, hordes of people converging on spots, gazing at their phones, shouting, got to catch them all, uh, what's going on? <laughs> it's Pokemon! Um, now, I'm far too old to know about Pokemon. Katie is the, the expert here, I believe. Oh, I wouldn't call myself an expert. <laughs> I'd, I'd say an enthusiast. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but not with Pokemon Go, with like the cards. Okay, yeah. so you're old school Pokemon. Old school Pokemon, yeah. So Pokemon has been reinvented as a as an app, free to download, and uh, it uses your phone's GPS and and the clock and all sorts of clever technology. But the result is that you see monsters wherever you go, and uh, they're, they're sort of tiny but terribly dangerous. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Yeah, they've got pretty vicious moves. Okay. If you get on the wrong side of them. And you have to fight them, uh, and you can find them in all sorts of public places in Oxford, including the museums, centre of town, Martyrs Memorial, lots of theatres, and I think the Twitter and Facebook are, are redolent with the, the best places to go and find them. Um, and yeah, so augmented reality is kind of the new thing, isn't it, to play at being a, a catcher or a super agent or whatever you want to be, really, yeah. uh, in the real world. If real life isn't as exciting and enough for you and isn't full of monsters, <laughs> uh, then you can add some more. Um, yeah, so so I think it looks a bit like a zombie apocalypse because people keep sort of converging on places with glazed expressions. Um, but this is all they're, all they're doing, so it's very benign. Um, I think you can spend an absolute fortune on in-app purchases if you're not careful. So yes. don't do that and don't wander into traffic. And don't. don't take photos of people at the, the, the bedside of, of dying loved ones in hospital or, or like other people it's, have done, which what? is a terrible idea. Um, That's <laughs> well, I gather that one monster popped up on a, on a uh, coffin in the middle of a funeral. <gasps> 
Why would you have to say that at a funeral? <laughs> well, it does beg some interesting questions about modern life, doesn't it? Um, yes, yeah, so, so there are plenty of um, terrible stories. If you want to tell yourself how terrible modern life has, has got, then uh, do look at the internet. Um, and, uh, yeah, there was a suggestion yesterday that uh, because most of the Pokemon are propping up in places that are already really popular, what they should do instead is put all the Pokemon in either deprived areas or, or sort of perhaps, you know, countries that need some more tourism going to them and... Uh, yeah, send everyone in those directions, and instead of eco tourism, you can have poco tourism. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, if if you're uh, wanting to know more about Pokemon, you should definitely check out the MTV uh, questionnaire, <laughs> which is on Twitter, uh, which tells you which Pokemon you are. And I know it's true because I got Pikachu. <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you literally got the best one. <laughs> if you're in need of a snack after wandering in the streets looking for Pokemon. I've selected a few new restaurants that have popped up, uh, which are definitely worth having a look at. So first up, I've picked the Pickled Walnut, which is right next door to Daily Info. But mm. to our shame, only Michael has been thus far. Twice. <laughs> Twice in two weeks. We're making up for the rest of us. Yes. <laughs> and the Pickled Walnut serves Syrian home-cooked food. It always smells delicious. Yeah, Michael, tell us more about the delicious <laughs> oh, food. No, I didn't know it was this. Uh, but they have all kinds of flavours on show. I went for the uh, lamb fig tagine first time, mm. which was, well, sweet. I'm a big fig fan. Um, and there are some members of the party were very pleased because it's got a lot more vegetarian options than other places and there's lots to choose from. Mm. Also, couldn't resist and got some actual pickled walnut because it's in the name. <laughs> um, and that was bright and delicious. Cool. <laughs> It's really nice to have a, a good news story about Syria. <laughs> yeah, um, and the owner is actually offering employment to Middle Eastern refugees, cool. making a point of it, which is great. Very cool. Wonderful. Uh, next up is Sea Salt, which has replaced fishes on St. Clements. Um, obviously, judging by the name, it's seafood. Mm. And uh, they've got lots of nice offers like paella and estrella nights, which mm. sounds... What's estrella? Uh, beer. Ooh. <laughs> delicious beer mm. and uh, a very reasonable fixed price lunch time menu which sounds delicious as well um, something that particularly caught my eye was the surf and turf which is steak and half a lobster and chips so I, I don't know why I'm not there right now to be honest <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've got lots of good veggie options as well and a delicious sounding retro old fashioned sherry trifle very comforting <laughs> that sounds Totally random. Yes. <laughs> but none worse for that. <laughs> um, they're open from Monday to Sunday, 11am to 10.30pm. Next up, I've got Gaff. No, this isn't a mistake. It's called Gaff, uh, which was formerly Oxfork. And they've expanded from just doing breakfast and lunch to doing dinner as well, uh, from Tuesday to Saturdays. Uh on one website it claimed that it was the first vegetarian and vegan restaurant in Oxford but we think that might be misleading um, but their menu is almost entirely vegetarian, vegan and gluten free which is very cool. handy perhaps they mean first like first lady not, not yeah. like the first <laughs> that's a loose use of first <laughs> <laughs> tell that to Michelle Omar <laughs> <laughs> um, the smoked dug egg dish sounds amazing and they've also got an extensive breakfast and lunch menu with literally all your favourites, both known and soon to be discovered. <laughs> mm. Finally, there's a new bakery called Sylvie, 
which is situated in Brown's Guest House off the Ifley Road. All the photos of the food online made me very hungry. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say. There's Portuguese custard tarts, oh. a mango, cherry yeah. and passion fruit eaten mess and just delicious bread. Yeah, I'm, I'm starving now <laughs> after researching this. Yes, Daddy will disappear at lunchtime mysteriously. <laughs> Looking either sea salt or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, since the uh, Hartford Street Bakery has closed, we think we're rather short of bakeries, but this oh. looks like a new addition to the area. So. Um, if you've been to any of these restaurants, please do leave us a review on our website at dailyinfo.co.uk. It won't stop us going, but it'll help. <laughs> <laughs> so although it might be a little bit quieter in, in city centre... Week by week we have about 10 new festivals to tell you all about, so one of those that's coming up is the Wilderness Festival, and amongst all the music, comedy, food, um, circus acts and more, <laughs> I was fortunate enough to speak to one of the acts involved. Justice in Motion are an Oxford-born physical theatre company who combine dance, aerial, all kinds of various disciplines to talk about various social justice issues and to get people thinking. So I spoke to Anya Meinhardt, who is artistic director of the company. One of the components of our new production, which is called Contained, um, Contained is this um, collaboration I mentioned earlier um, about migration. And we're looking into three different aspects of migration, which is really exciting. So we have started um, a few weeks back at the Oxfordshire Science Festival with journeys and decisions and now we're going further into movement and change and then there will be a third component um, later on in the year which is going to be about arrival and reception and so we're looking into to just focusing on on different aspects of migration and wilderness as you say is going to be a physical theater performance We've worked with a range of wonderful people outside of the theatre world as such. So, for example, right now we are in a collaboration with uh, Oxford University, the International Migration Institute, and particularly with Marieke van Houten, who is researcher at, at the Oxford University. With Contained, what happened uh, on the performance on Broad Street, that was rather interesting. So the, our set is a shipping container, um, life-size shipping container, however transparent. So you can see in from the outside. Likewise, when you're inside, you can see what's going on around you, which is quite interesting. And it was meant to be this space of comfort, home, where people would like to join in and come in. And uh, it was a lot of audience participation as well in this specific um, piece of theatre. And um, on that Saturday, it was quite interesting because it was literally bucketing it down. And we hadn't quite accounted for that or anticipated so what we had to do was kind of make a shelter out of the shipping container which is without a roof I have to sh- probably say as well so we we bought um, plastic bags and uh, shower curtains and all sorts of things so we had 10 people standing with it inside of the container trying to uh, shut out the, the rain and um, yeah not have all the equipment soak in the water um, so the whole thing then became instead of a shipping container became more of a yeah, of a refugee camp, which gave a different flavour to what we had anticipated to do. Um, but it was quite interesting. And so also the imagery that we got from there, um, yeah, was something I'd like to pursue further now. And that might change how we now develop the piece. So as well as Contained, part of which is being performed at Wilderness, um, Justice in Motion have several other pieces which they have toured and are still developing and also workshops and classes that are going on in the autumns. Uh, so to hear about those and more, uh, please listen to our Oxcast Extra. The full interview with Anya is there.
Wonderful. Cool. Um, so more theatre, not happening as part of a festival. <laughs> the lovely Micron Theatre Group are back in Oxford. Um, they do tours, uh, they're based on a canal boat. And they carry all of their props and performers, I believe, on one narrow boat. I'm not sure how they manage it. So all of their performance spaces are very near water, um, which is fun. Uh, this summer they've got several new shows. Um, the main one they're performing is called Pure, the Story of Chocolate. It's a very hungry-making podcast today, isn't yeah. it? Um, this is cruel. <laughs> uh, this play is set sort of now and 150 years ago um, it's about a big um, company relaunching a favourite chocolate bar uh, with a lot of razzmatazz um, it's about a battle of ideals and also about sort of the origin of, of this um, company and they say if a business is big does it really have to be bad does success always have a sweet smell um, so an ethical dilemma I believe um, that's tonight Wednesday the 27th of July um at the Oxford Science Park in the Sadler building and the postcode of that is OX44GE and it's happening again on Sunday the 31st of July at 3pm on North Aston Village Green that's mm. near Bicester um, in the meanwhile they're also in Bath, Reading and Bristol if you really fancy catching oh, them further nice. afield um, if you uh, have a look at micron.org.uk that's micron with a K um, they've got a full list of tour dates there um, and they're also back later in the summer so Tuesday the 9th of August and other dates around then uh, Tuesday the 9th they're in the Plough in Wolvercote um, and that's with a different show called Canary Girls um, that's about uh, some girls who are maids in 1914 uh, and then war, war breaks out and they go to work in a shell factory so that's about sort of the changing world in, in that era and female emancipation and following your dreams and so on. Um, cool. So they're often often a historical bent to their shows. Hmm. I think they just like the period costumes, to be honest. <laughs> um, there's always a lot of music. Uh, because they're outdoors, there's a, there's a sort of village fate atmosphere at, at the shows. And uh, certainly in, in Wolvercote, um, they, they've sort of had a, a dog joining in and all sorts of things before <laughs> now. <laughs> um, so they're really good shows for families. They, they're quite early in the evening usually and, and obviously with the light nights just hope it stays fine for them mm. and we also have um, a rather different piece of theatre Circleville Circle Valley uh, this is about drama therapy a group of five people some referred by professionals some who've, who've chosen to go to this um, who go to a rundown community centre and take part in uh, therapy where they share very intimate details of their lives with each other um, and as the weeks go by, they come to realise that, that this course is only going to last so long and what happens when they're plunged back into the real world. Mm. Um, that's performed by the Experimental Drama Club, um, and it's on this Saturday, 2.30 and 7.30 at the Old Fire Station. Tickets are £12 or £10 concessions, um, and it's written by Lamorna Ash, who was a student at Oxford, I suspect has just finished, um, and she... Uh, wrote an excellent piece called Love Plus which was part of the New Writing Festival a few years ago uh, which was a very unsettling show about virtual girlfriends um, and uh, sort of androids (laughs) Um, and she's really good at handling even back then in the New Writing Festival and she must have been quite a young student then uh, she's really good at handling quick changes of emotion and and pitch and so on so I can imagine this drama therapy piece being funny and painful and uncomfortable and warming and, and all sorts of things by turns I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd recommend her her work Round up of various musical items now and uh, guess what we've got to start off a festival Huzzah! <laughs> 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 one that's actually happening in town now. Um, so the Oxford Piano Festival is kicking off this Saturday the 30th of July 
and running to the 7th of August. So every day there are um, a couple of either masterclasses or lectures, mainly for players who have applied, but observers are, of course, welcome. You can go and watch and learn from some <laughs> esteemed ivory tinklers. Um, and then every evening there are concerts in such venues as the Hollywell Room or the Jacqueline Dupre uh, building. So it's run in conjunction with the Oxford Philharmonic, of whom Alfred Brendel is the patron. So there are solo piano performances every day, but Wednesday, when the Oxford Phil joins Menahem Pressler at the Sheldonian for a programme including Haydn's London Symphony. And you can check out the full listings for the Oxford Piano Festival on our website. Um, a special shout-outs to Bach's Goldberg Variations. Hooray for Bach! <laughs> now for something entirely different. <laughs> but on Saturday night at the Wheat Sheaf, Gappy Tooth Industries are bringing together three diverse and distinctive acts. Might cleanse the palate after the um, piano festival, I don't know. For your starter, as I'm thinking food anyway, um, <laughs> some melodic post-hardcore from Violent Chimes, or in random genre coinage of the week, they self-described as post-crud sweater wave. <laughs> uh, Sounds delicious. <laughs> The sweater for the start. Uh, main course, uh, some multinational inventive indie from Carpool Conversation, who uh, are getting some heavy play on Six Music. Sound a bit like Clinic and everything, everything. If that means anything to anyone. Um, and an ace local singer for dessert, not literally, um, Charlie Levy, about whom I will say if you're going to do a cover ZP, why not do one of K pop, Japanese, and Spanish songs um, in their original languages? Yes, wow. polyglot. Wow. Um, tickets are only four fifty. What's your excuse? <laughs> Finally, at Blackwell's next Wednesday, third, um, the bookshop band are appearing in a, a bookshop. Are they named for Blackwell's? Did they set up there, or, or is this they in are, a beautiful coincidence? They <laughs> are not, but they originated in a bookshop, and it's really their natural habitat. Um, <laughs> they they formed in Bath when one of the members was asked if he would play at the shop's new series of author evenings um, and play like some cover, a cover song relating to the theme. But uh, guy would have obliged, but he's pretty terrible at covers, so he wrote it. Bespoke song instead, um, <laughs> and I went to do this several times and realised it was quite unworkable. Uh, but with collaborators, they've made I think nine albums worth of literary-related songs, wow. uh, which is quite impressive. And they'll be launching a new album, The Complete Works, years two to six, um, at Blackwell's. Um, so references to and adaptations of Midsummer Night's Dream, various Alice in Wonderland things, mm. Springheel Jack and extracts from novels, including um, an extract read by Stanley Donwood, um, author and artist who's famed for doing all the Radiohead album covers and all the Radiohead art ever, nearly. Um, so that's quite unique, Fugles Guitar and Cello, I think, um, at Blackwell's next Wednesday at 7pm. Tickets are £6. I like the song, I can't remember what it's called now, where it's the first line of lots of different books all formed <laughs> together as a song. It's very uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worth a like listen. That. So as regular listeners to the podcast will know, I love to slip in a bit of history into the podcast. And this week, I'd like to say happy 300th birthday to Capability Brown. Now, who is Capability Brown? I hear you ask, Michael. <laughs> I do ask that because I don't know, Katie. Please inform me. <laughs> well, um, 
Capability Brown was a famous Georgian landscape designer who literally worked for everyone who had a bit of money. And even <laughs> if you didn't, it seems like he wasn't very good at getting paid. Oh. Um, oh. I know. He wasn't actually called Capability. His actual name was Lancelot, which is almost better. <laughs> but he gained the nickname Capability um, after every time he entered a new property, he'd say, this landscape has great capability for improvement. <laughs> If you visit a National Trust property, chances are you'll see his fantastic landscaping. He um, specialised in making amazing views with a focal point, usually a church or a water feature, and also a trademark lake, which had to be dug by hand. <laughs> it's just, just madness. Um, he also used a lot of ha-has. Pardon? <laughs> ha-has. <laughs> any, any guesses what they are? Dad jokes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Have a special way of keeping your sheep out without interrupting your view. Precisely, Jen. <laughs> R- wow. Which can be climbed in by small children at National Trust properties. <laughs> and then they're probably. lost forever. <laughs> I said, Jen, you're a climb out of that, haha. Uh, probably one of his most famous gardens was the one at Blenheim Palace, which cost uh, £21,500. That must have been a lot. In- yes, tens oh. of millions. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he worked on, uh, it's about. 2,000 acres, which is equivalent to 1,000 football pitches. That's a lot of land. And that's, that's not actually too much per, per, per acre, is it, really? I mean, if, if you... Sort yeah, that's true. If you, he's quite good value for money. <laughs> <laughs> Could have charged more. <laughs> um, he grew in fame and became the royal gardener at Hampton Court. Um, where I think you can still buy grapes from a grapevine that he planted. Oh, which amazing. now has a trunk the size you'd expect an oak tree to be. I mean, it's, it's enormous, and Gosh. it sort of grows all the way around a greenhouse. But, uh, yeah, the, you can still taste the capability brown grapes. Delicious. Everything's delicious in this ox cast. <laughs> uh, I'm really sorry to come back to food. I didn't mean to. <laughs> it's all right, I'm <laughs> come back to it too. So, in all, he designed about 250 landscapes, and on uh, the birthday website, capabilitybrown.org, you can see an amazing map of all the landscapes. It's just astonishing how he got about I, I, I was amazed uh, pretty much anywhere you are in England not not so much in Wales and definitely not in Scotland but no. in in England you are like never more than 10 metres from <laughs> the sort of property where he landscape by those things just, it's just astounding um, also on the website there's a chance to celebrate his birthday with a capability Yes, I am talking about afternoon tea. Uh, there are recipes for seed cake, Georgian sandwiches, which seems to be sourdough, steak, mayonnaise, mustard and watercress. Quite hearty. Very hearty. <laughs> but I suppose if you're going to landscape 250 <laughs> gardens and you kind of need a decent sandwich at the end of it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sally Lunds, which are sort of English brioche, and jumbles, which are not- knotted biscuits <laughs> in the shape of knots. They're, they're okay. not, not biscuits. Oh. <laughs> They are biscuits. They're oh. biscuits. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> um, all these recipes are taken from 18th century cookbooks, so very authentic. Um, the famous landscapes around here: there's Stowe in Buckinghamshire, which which is worth a visit. Um, take comfortable shoes and go on a bright day. It's quite a long walk. <laughs> uh, Kirtlington Park and of course Blenheim and Borstal. Yes. Which. Oh, not Borstal, not. <laughs> <laughs> but Borstal, where there is a tower and a duck decoy and oh, yes. all sorts of stuff. Amazing. 
Uh, Blenheim is celebrating uh, capabilities, achievements with horse and carriage rides, which are on uh, the 19th to 21st of August and the 17th to the 18th of September. So you can see his vision as he intended. Oh. Um, there's also a free trail leading visitors to special boards to commemorate Brown's work. So yeah, cool. very um, interesting guy. Finally, time for our cinema roundup this week. I'm going to go in reverse chronological order just because. Um, on next Tuesday at the Phoenix, there's another chance to see Solaris. It's the new restoration of the original Andrei Tarkovsky kind of transcendent sci-fi. If you, if you want to have your notions of just what sci-fi can do exploded and expanded, or to see where Chris Nolan presumably got some of his ideas. That <laughs> happened a few times during Solaris, but it's quite, it's quite cool. Um, then head to the Phoenix. Same lovely cinema a few days earlier on Sunday afternoon, a chance to see Pulp Fiction <laughs> and enjoy the amazing dialogue between Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta. Quarter pound with cheese, anyone? <laughs> and finally, try not to get hungry about this one, uh, Finding Dory. Wow. <laughs> we do not want to eat fish. It's opening on Friday at the Odeon and the View. Um, and you're assured of Ellen DeGeneres' wonderful delivery. Disney Pixar showing you new colours on the palette and <laughs> presumably being just like rather emotionally intense as they seem to have gotten recently. Mm. Will it get even more intense than Inside Out? There must be seen. I don't think I'll cope. <laughs> there was a there was a girl at the back of the screening I went to of Inside Out just openly weeping uh, at the bit when you might expect that to happen, mm-hmm. um, which I won't spoil. But yeah, very moving. Do, do you have any uh, Pixar-related emotional trauma which we can work through? I had a similar experience actually when I saw Inside Out. You did. Yeah. Were you that girl? I probably was. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I haven't seen Inside Out. Or Solaris. I'm not doing terribly well on this one. I have to go catch up. (laughs) Or any Disney from history, of course. Ooh. I haven't seen Bambi either, which is the other... Oh, that's probably best. Mm. And of course, Toy Story 3. Oh, my goodness. My goodness, they went there near the end. And up. They went there right at the start. They were at the start. (laughs) That was traumatic. That that was a hard-hitting opening. It was. It's kind of beautiful. I think for me it was The Lion King. Ooh. When you first, first realised that, you know... Death is real. Yeah, pretty much. If I didn't have pets, I had Disney, really, uh, to equate me early on with the reality. Much more exotic pets. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly, yes. My pet was a cartoon lion. I watched most of The Lion King quite recently in the children's bit of A&E. Which is not good for the emotional tear jacket. No. Oh, Although it was really. fine. <laughs> but anyway, see for yourself and do bring some Kleenex. Uh, oh. uh, other tissue brands <laughs> and opinions are available. Um, yep, it's opening on Friday. And for full cinema listings, do check out our website, please. Also on dailyinfo.co.uk, you can find the full Oxcast Extra. Uh, loads of event listings and, uh, of course, a full range of advertisements as well. Uh, make sure to follow us. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Daily Info Oxford. Please subscribe to the podcast so you can listen to our ramblings every week. <laughs>